Thanks, Rosie. Um, good afternoon. Uh, let me pray for us again. <coughs> um, Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you that we trust as we come to read it and hear it this afternoon that you speak to us. Please, Father, as we look at it this afternoon, would you cause us to appreciate the Lord Jesus? Please would you take our eyes off ourselves, that we would appreciate Jesus and all that he's done for us. Amen. Amen. I wonder what the best gift you've ever seen someone receive is. So it can't be a gift that you've given or a gift that you've received, but one that you've watched it be received. Um, Maybe you know the story, the backstory as to why it was bought or what it means or something like that. But I think sometimes the best ones is when you see a child receive a gift. Because children, they're pretty simple, aren't they? They're stripped back emotionally. There's no facade. You see exactly what they feel. And sometimes that backfires when they get something that they've already got or something that they didn't quite want. But when you see a child receive a gift from someone that they love, someone that has thought about the gift, and you see the joy on their face, it's something really quite special, isn't it? You see just how much it means to them. You see just how much the person giving the gift means to them. And it's a real joy to be able to witness those moments when you're sat watching and not particularly involved. Last week, we saw the greatest gift in the whole world. A gift that's both exactly what we need, as we've seen in the first few weeks of the Book of Romans, and all that we could ever want. It satisfies our deepest desires. It's the perfect demonstration of love. Just have a look back to verse 22. Do keep your Bibles out. It would be really helpful for us. Just read along with me from verse 22. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. The best gift in the world is God's righteousness given to us a right standing before him so that we could be justified by faith apart from the law that means we can be declared right before a holy god not because of anything that we've done it's given not earned we saw last week a person's presented righteous by trusting in jesus Because Jesus' sacrifice atones for our sin so that we can be declared right before him. It means that every single one of us in the room can be declared right before a holy God. Because if you trust in Jesus, his sacrifice is effective for you. You can be accepted on account of Jesus' righteousness. That's what we saw last week. 
And look, maybe over the last six weeks, at times, the book of Romans has felt pretty hard. It's felt pretty hard going. But when this good news sinks in, you'll feel relieved. Because it it completely removes the feeling of guilt. Your sin is dealt with. It's not just covered up. Or covered over. It's not swept under the carpet. But it's dealt with. And so it removes any feeling of shame. That is no longer who you are. Any way in which you didn't measure up. Anything in which you've not pleased God. Those failures, those shortcomings... They are no longer the things that define you if you trust in Jesus. They don't need to hang over you. Just have a look at verse 24. Instead, you have been redeemed. You've been brought back. You've been restored. You are new in Christ. Look, if there's any part of you feeling low about what we've heard in the first few weeks of the book of Romans... Any part of you holding on to feelings of guilt or shame. That's not what God wants for us as we read these verses. He gives us the relief and the release of redemption. If you trust in Jesus, any guilt attached to your sin, it was crucified with Jesus on the cross. That maybe this afternoon is worth checking. Is there something that you're clinging on to, still feeling guilty about, ashamed of? Will you trust in Jesus and actively hand that over today to experience that feeling of redemption, the relief? When that good news sinks in, you'll feel relieved. And you'll feel overjoyed, like the recipient of the best gift in the world. Because you know, no matter what you've done, you are loved. If you turn to trust in Jesus, then there's nothing that can hold you back from God's love, shown to us in what Jesus has done. He's not going to find out anything that he doesn't already know. No, he knows you exactly as you are, and he loves you. And so we can feel joy. Because we have a worth and value that cannot be taken away. You have complete security. As an adult, it becomes pretty clear what's important about a gift. No longer like children, where the the actual gift matters so much. But it's important, the giver, and what they feel about you. That's the most important thing. That's what makes it special. It's the joy that it brings to know that that person loves you. And they care for you. And they want to demonstrate it. This gift from God could not be any clearer. 
This is the perfect demonstration of love. Because God deeply cares for you. When this good news sinks in, we'll feel overjoyed and we'll feel filled with love for Jesus. Like the perfect gift that you can't get over, like, like a childlike excitement because Jesus has done everything for you. He's the one who meets God's perfect standard and yet he's given that right standing to you. All the relief and the joy, it comes to focus on the Lord Jesus because it's him that has given that freely to us. But look, as we come to our passage this afternoon, of all the brilliant feelings of joy and elation and relief, there's one thing Paul says we can't feel. If you truly grasp this good news, you won't feel proud of yourself and what you've done. You won't be able to boast because there's nothing in and of yourself to be proud of. So boasting is excluded. Look at verse 27. Where then is boasting? It is excluded. Because if this right standing before God truly is a gift, then we can't claim anything of it ourselves. Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9 puts that so clearly. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, And this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God so that no one can boast. The work done in order for you to be presented right before God. It's not your work. It's not our own work. So we can't boast. Remember what Paul's done already. He He's done the thing where he, he poses a question that maybe other people might bring in response to what he said, a bit of a challenge. He asked the question that, that people might be kind of asking back at him. And then he answers it. And Paul has just been saying that nothing you can do contributes to your right standing before God. And so boasting is excluded. Boasting is Excluded, And so the obvious response is, oh, funny that, Paul. That sounds like a law to me. Boasting is excluded. That, that sounds like a bit of a rule, a condition. So look at verse 27. Because of what law? The, the law that requires works. You see the question or even the challenge. Are you going back on what you've already said, Paul? Is this a law, a rule? And Paul's reply is this. No, because of the law that requires faith. Paul's saying, look, if you've understood anything of what I've just said, that you are presented righteous, not because of anything you've done, that all that is required of you is faith in the Lord Jesus, then it would be so obvious that you have nothing to boast in. Nothing to boast in of yourself. There's nothing you've done to boast about because it's not your work. The law, it wouldn't exclude boasting if it commended works 
as the way of justification. But the law would exclude boasting if it taught that we are justified by faith. And so Paul reiterates what he said before. For we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Look, if you sit here this afternoon as a follower of Jesus, you are declared right before a holy God, not by good works, but by faith. You have nothing to boast in of yourself, whatever it might be. We don't really do boasting, do we? Or we don't do active and obvious boasting. We like to do subtle boasting. We like to just kind of mention the things that we're a little bit proud of. Just try and edge it into conversation a little bit. Oh, oh yeah, I was, yeah, I did do that, actually. Yeah, I did read that series of books when I was 14, or whatever it was. Whatever that thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I know Romans pretty well already, actually. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I did. I learned the books of the Bible in order to a song. Yeah, I could, I could do it now, actually. Yeah, yeah. You, maybe not boast, obviously, but you just like to have something up, up your sleeve, maybe. I don't know, whatever it is. That thing that you're secretly pretty proud of, that you just try and weave into conversation every now and again. Probably good things. Really good things to be celebrated. But things that contribute nothing to your right standing before God. Things that you could well have done before you became a Christian. Things that don't make you right before God. You could go to church every Sunday of your life. But if you don't trust in Jesus, it doesn't get you anywhere. You could memorise the whole of the book of Romans word for word. And if you don't trust in Jesus, it doesn't get you anywhere. You could have been baptised. And if you don't trust in Jesus, it doesn't get you anywhere. And the more we recognise what we can't do in our own effort the more we recognise what an amazing gift we have in the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus gave himself for you. Look, Paul reiterates his point in verse 28. A person is justified by faith apart from their works of the law by saying in verse, 20, uh, verse 30, since there is only one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through that same faith. And it's pretty clear there's no room for boasting, but maybe that's a bit uncomfortable for those who come from a pretty respectable background. That's probably what it would have felt like for the Jews. Maybe for us, it's people that have come from a Christian heritage, that have done Christian things growing up, feels pretty uncomfortable to be justified by that same faith doesn't make doesn't that make those good things pretty pointless or as paul puts it 
Do we nullify the law by this faith? Imagine with me for a moment that you get invited to a pottery class. I'm looking around the room and some of you are going to have to do some more imagining than others. In fact, even more so, imagine that you accept the invitation to a 10-week pottery class and you stick it out for all 10 weeks. Can't quite picture everyone in the room in a 10-week pottery class, but just do some imagining. 10 weeks, because pottery is really hard. If you've um, done a bit of pottery, you'll know that. If you've seen um, a bit of pottery um, on telly or in action, you'll know that as well. And each week through the 10 weeks of the course, the teacher gives you the skills and guidance and help to be able to, at the end of that pottery class, produce one piece of fine pottery. One week you're wheel throwing. I have to Google that term. That's where you uh, put the clay on the spinny thing and you use your hands to the wheel and you use your hands to get it just right and you just always see that clip on the telly, don't you, where it just all kind of falls apart. One week you're doing that. One week you're working out exactly for how long you put the clay in the oven for to bake it to the right temperature so it's just right. You're learning each week and every week the, the teacher is hands-on with you. Because each week you're learning more and it's pretty difficult. Next week you're painting. And all along the way it's building up to week 9 and week 10. Where you work on your final piece. And you turn up on week 9. And it's been a bit of a slow burn. But by week 9 you're actually quite excited to be in your pottery class. Because finally, by week 9 and week 10, you're getting to the point of producing this final piece. And you've got some ideas, and you're quite excited to be there. And you get there early, and you think, I've learned quite a lot through the first eight eight weeks of this course. I'm actually pretty good at pottery now. I'm pretty looking forward to getting to produce the final piece. And people are beginning to arrive. And you notice... There's a new couple arrive, week nine. And at first you kind of think, hold on, that's not fair that they could just rock up week nine and just produce the final piece. And then in the moment you go, "Ah, actually, I'll be all right because I'm a bit of a pottery expert now. And I'm quite looking forward to seeing what they actually do with their piece in the final two weeks of the course. Teacher introduces them. Oh, they didn't hear about the course until now. But they're going to come and join us. They're going to produce a final piece. And you think, oh, I've been slaving away for eight weeks, working out how to make my final piece of pottery. But it's okay. And you get going, producing your final piece. And actually, it becomes pretty clear that you're not quite the pottery expert that you thought you were. And despite all that you've learned, you can't do it on your own. And the teacher still needs to help, needs to help you. An actual fact, the teacher's pretty hands-on with everyone in the class, going around the room helping others. And you go through the final two weeks and you get to the big reveal. The final moment of the course where everyone's sat, all the pieces are laid out on the table and the teacher comes out and introduces all the final pieces. And at first your eyes go to your piece. 
and you're overjoyed. Because with the teacher's help, you've got a brilliant ornament that you're going to take home. And you're thrilled. And as you walk around the table, you, you just think, oh, just going just gonna to go and have a quick note, see if I can find the rubbish one, see where the, the rubbish piece is. And there they are, the couple standing next to their pieces, and they're just as good as yours. And part of you is like, really? Really? And to close off the course, the teacher stands up and says, thanks for the joining the course. Thanks for spending 10 weeks producing this piece. I've been working in pottery for 42 years. The point of the course was never to make you a pottery expert. You'd never be able to do that in 10 weeks. But the point was to give you an appreciation of pottery. To enjoy working with me to produce this final piece and to, under my guidance, get you to a point of producing this brilliant piece. And the reality is that part of you, only when you compare yourself to the couple who joined late, thinks, ah, that first eight weeks was pretty pointless, wasn't it? Bit of a waste of time. Was it pointless? Was it worthless? Look, here's Paul's question in verse 31. Do we then nullify the law by this faith? Not at all. Rather, we uphold the law. See, the first eight weeks of the course don't get you the final product. But the product completely stands on all you've seen in those eight weeks. The law gives God's people an understanding of what is right and wrong. And the law gives God's people an appreciation of the God who is faithful to deliver his people. But only by God's gift do we arrive at the finished product, being declared right before a holy God. Look, for us, Maybe if you've grown up in a Christian home, you've been going to church for some time, you'd say you've been involved in doing good things, things that the, the teachings of the Bible would affirm. Maybe you've done those things before coming to trust in Jesus. Maybe, maybe in your worst moments, you kind of think, ah, oh, part of me wishes I'd kind of gone a bit wild at some point. Part, part of me wishes I'd, I'd taken a bit of life to taste the pleasures of this world. I might as well have done some of those things that I wouldn't do now that I've really trusted in Jesus. I might as well have not turned up until week nine of the course, only to get the finished product. But you see, those good things, they do have value in as far as they cause you to appreciate Jesus. Those things, they do have value in as far as they cause you to appreciate Jesus. 
So if you've been coming to church for 15 years, and today is the day that you turn to trust in Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, 15 years of church attendance gives you nothing to boast in. Because they alone, they don't save you. Only Jesus saves you. And yet God, in his kindness, has given you 15 years of exposure to his word, of time with his people. If that has brought you to the point of appreciating Jesus, it is of much value. I have a friend who listens along to the podcast. He's probably listening along right now. It's been a real joy to have good conversation with him this week. He's really helped me as I've thought through um, these words. He messaged me last Monday morning after listening to last week's podcast. He said, what about someone who practices hard and sacrifices much for a standard that's out of reach? And I think here in these words we have the answer. The good news of the free gift of the Lord Jesus is completely upheld by the law. See, at best, the Jews hearing this for the first time, they would have a rich appreciation of Jesus because they'd have understood what is best and they'd have known their need for a saviour. But at worst, the danger is that they'd become confident in what they've done. They get wrapped up in religious practices and so not appreciate Jesus. What about us? Well, here's our answer. If you think that going to church or giving money away, praying, contributing much to society has done you any favours when it comes to your standing before God, if you think they make you right before God, then it's actually standing in the way of you receiving a free gift in the Lord Jesus. But if they've caused you and helped you to appreciate the free gift that we have in the Lord Jesus, if they have brought you to the point where you can come today and say, I'm declared right before God by his free gift alone. Through trusting in Jesus' sacrifice for me, then those things, they're of great value. But today, all of us in the room, whether we've come from a straight-laced Christian household or you've been wild and reckless, the challenge for us is the same as we read these verses. Today, will you appreciate the Lord Jesus? He is the only way you can be saved. He's done everything for you. And so he gives us great relief. He gives us great joy. He gives us a right standing before God. And we can come today with freedom and confidence. And we pray that as this good news sinks in, we'd be relieved, we'd be overjoyed, 
and we'd be filled with love for the Lord Jesus as we appreciate him. So let me pray. Father, please today, would you help us to appreciate Jesus? Please would you help us to recognise that through your gift, we can stand right before you. Please help us not to place any confidence in what we have done. But Lord, help us to rejoice in the free gift of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Well, we're going to stand and sing together as we praise God for the gift of the Lord Jesus that he has made a way by which we can be saved. So let's sing together. (laughs)